Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome into the Jordy Holtberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber himself. But make no mistake of it, we have an action-packed show planned for you today. Starting with the man behind the glass. It feels like it's old school. It's Clint D., the famous one. The boys are back in town. <laughs> man, when you text me this morning, you're like, hey, you ready to do the radio? I was like, yeah, I, uh, I guess I need to text James. And you said, no, it's, it's you and I today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, said, I was like, I wouldn't have texted you about the show you were doing today <laughs> if I wasn't I thought you worried about me that much, CD. I, th- I thought you cared that much that you reached out. But it definitely feels old school-esque. Like CD and I are about to we're do We're missing a, a couple people, though. <laughs> but we're doing good. About to do an episode of The Producers, old God, school style that, on a Saturday a morning. Old school, Jack. But we have a ton of fun for you in store, even though it's not The Producers, it's the Jordy Holberg Show. Of course, we're going to have our guy Rob Fontenot join us to the next segment at 2.15. He's the host of the Astros Baseball Podcast, and we're going to talk about those Houston Astros getting their first series win of the season yesterday up in Pittsburgh over the Pirates after a dominant 7-0 victory. Are they kind of turning it around or anything to worry about? We'll tell you about it. We, I don't think there's anything to worry about. And I have some numbers to support that here in just a second. At 3.30, my guy Ben Love, former host of Bumper to Bumper Sports, is going to join us in a CD, Ben Love, and myself together. You want to talk about some old school feels? No telling what the boys are going to get into. Like I said, like I said, Blaine, the boys are back in town. You love to see it. Love to see it. And of course, if you want to watch us, you could also head on over to Simulcast here in Acadiana. You can watch us on Stadium Network 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. And of course, we want everybody to jump in the sandbox and play with us. You can hit us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And look, you call in there, you get a chance to talk to the famous CD live and in person. Who wouldn't want to do such a thing like that? All right, I'm, I'm, I don't know if we should set the over-under for when T calls in, but I think over-under by the end of the show is a fair guesstimate there. I got to hear from my guy, T. I, I love we got to hear from him. Got to hear from him. He's been hitting me up on Facebook and been enjoying the pictures of his new grandbaby. Hope he hits us up. You know, we got we to get T involved. How's dad life treating you since we're on that subject? <laughs> briefly, briefly. Hey, look, real briefly, dad life has been great. I've been blessed with a beautiful baby girl. She is healthy and, look, she sleeps, Clint. Sleep patterns are not interrupted. <laughs> Everything is good in the You're VHR household. right now. I feel great. I feel <laughs> outstanding. Because I know that's, that's a tough thing for, for parents, especially with newborns or relative newborns. Yeah, it's, it's, it's better for me than the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, God. Who ended their season last night to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 123-118 to in that 9-versus-10 playing game. And, you know, look, I don't want to talk about this too much because it's been ad nauseum everywhere you look. You know, the highlights of Zion warming up before the game sure looked good. Sure looked looked like he could move. Sure looked nimble. Not to play, to lose. 
in the fashion they did? Would would that have helped down the stretch to have another playmaker in the in the ball game? Yeah. I oh, absolutely. So. But it's like I don't think he would have been anywhere near the Zion we saw to start the season well, coming after like. He hadn't played since January. That's four months. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of ring rust you're going to have to for knock sure. off there. It, it, most definitely. But I, look, this is a team that it feels like after the first month of the season was in first place. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I guess it was. To finish the season the way they did, just so disappointing. I know CD had a ticket to cash. Should On them to win finished. the Southwest Division. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I, I wasn't that ballsy to having to win the NBA Finals like – I got Miguez, and we're going to talk about it during his show from four to six. But he is of the firm belief that the Pelicans are winning the Western Conference in twenty twenty three. I'm like, you are out of your damn mind. Where, where do you get some? You know, I'd have to have something to support such a ridiculous argument yeah. like that. I might have to tune in or at least pick his brain. That's absolute. Just, I mean, we we know Miguez has some silly takes, but that that one's pretty out there. Oh, it's absolutely out there. Now, mind you, I'm again, I'm a big fan of wild, wacky takes. But that one is absolutely insane, more because of the fact, like, are you really expecting Zion Williamson at this point in time based off of what we've seen? And again, it's not like he's a rookie and he's still coming off of that incident at Duke with the with the shoe blowing up. It's, there's several times where you have plenty of tape and plenty of, like, study where you can look at it and say, hey, Zion Williamson in the time he's been with the Pelicans has only played – what, at most maybe a third of the season, if not like a little bit under half of the season? I mean, look, you you throw a healthy Zion at full strength. Exactly. It, like, on this lineup with, with the pieces they already have around them, sure. They're, they're a nice ball club. I mean, they much better lineup than, than Oklahoma City threw together. You know, I think they would have been uh, – you know, if, they wouldn't even be in the position they were in the playing game if they had him the whole season. We know that. But you can't tell me that you expect to have him for an entire season over an you know extended period of time. He just hadn't proven that he can stay healthy, and quite frankly, you know it's it's a lot of the hey he had some bad weight on him too, right, CD? No, yeah, but he had he had kind of trimmed it down a lot, like yours truly has trimmed it down a good bit. But still, that frame is going to be a big issue. We saw a lot of it. Whenever Shaquille O'Neal, after the three-peat, he was the same guy after he had that foot surgery. Like If you go look back at that after the 2000, 2001, 2002, that three-peat, he had that foot surgery. He was not the same guy. Thankfully, he was able to win another championship after the whole Kobe-Shaq split. But you see what he's dealing with, what Zion's dealing with. It's very similar stuff. And But it also, at the same time, it hurts you as a Pelicans fan or as a fan of Louisiana sports in general to see this guy, you are paying him the max deal, the max deal. And he is going to go ahead and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to play until I feel like I'm playing like Zion. Then he's out there the same night. This is the definition of bad optics, Blaine. It's straight up saying, hey, I'm going to play, deaf, right? I'm gonna play when, I, when I feel like playing like, like when I feel like I can play like Zion. I understand, you know, you're bouncing back from an injury. You don't want to re-aggravate it. We've seen that a lot. Michael Thomas is a prime example of it but we're still paying him out the wazoo, and he hasn't played maybe like five games the last three years. And, look, and Zion's the same way, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. And then he's out there during warm-ups, out there throwing very half-assed windmill dunks, but still, he's out there doing that in, in shoot-around. That's not a good look, because the second I saw that video from Will Guillory of The Athletic, I'm like, what is going on here? 
why are we giving him this much money and he's not playing? Whatever he's playing, he's elite, but he doesn't play often. It's not like Anthony uh, Davis. Often, he hardly plays at all. Well, and exactly. They finally got some pieces to, to kind of surround him around, and, and that could have made a difference, you know, this season. It seems like they were turning the corner. They were they were building a, a team, not just a just not just a one man show, and, yeah. and to go down the way it did, so disappointing, so frustrating. Are, are you still a fan of this, you know, playing type matchups? You know, like it seems kind of gimmicky still. What's your thoughts on that? I'm honestly okay with it because I think it gives you a better opportunity to see. I mean, it's very much similar to a wild card round in, in baseball. I'm okay with it. The the two out of three stuff, it's a little weird. Like after the first playing game, then it's two out of three to get the eight seed or whatever. That's a little complicated. Honestly, if they did a two out of three or single elimination for that eight seed, that would be the definition of a good playing game scenario. But obviously, we don't live in a world. You know this all too well, Blaine. <laughs> where everybody's got to be in the conversation. We see it with college football all the time. But oh, expand the teams, expand the teams. Is that going to make the playoff format better? No matter how many you expand so. to, the, the next two teams, everybody's going to automatically say, hey, look, they were playing better. What would have happened if they would have got in? You hear it all the time. Yeah. You know, you can only have so many teams in. Yeah, exactly. And it just kind of dilutes the whole Waters point. Waters down of, everything. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But I, I just sit there watching that game. And they were competitive throughout that ball game. Let's, let's not bury the lead here. They were a good team. They had a good performance from guys like Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, but when you didn't have guys like C.J. McCollum at full strength, all those key players that have been key cogs in this team to get into the play-in tournament, because for a while, let's go back to like November like we talked about, that was a team that was starting off red hot. Felt like a team that could have, like I said, won the Southwest Division, not necessarily make a run for the championship, but still be good enough to maybe automatically get into the NBA not playoffs. Not to worry about all this Not to play worry in. about the play in BS because that's kind of what it is. But you were able to set yourself up for a great opportunity. And now, once Ian Williamson went out, like the wheels fell off very quickly. When you surround, when you build a team around somebody who has the, you know, is so injury prone and you know he's not going to be there for extended periods of time, I. You know, I mean, even, you know, you saw it with B.I. He was out a good portion of the year, too. Yeah, and B.I.'s the other guy that's a crucial part of your right. team. And obviously, so, you know, you're also wondering what's going to happen with that lottery pick that you're potentially going to land from the Los Angeles Lakers who missed out on the postseason, which I'm absolutely loving. Again, as long as LeBron James is out of the playoffs, I'm kind of happy, right? Of course, of course. We shift gears a little bit right here, C.D., how about this? The Tampa Bay Rays starting out the season on an absolute tear, right? 12-0 oh, on the season? I'll correct myself here. I, I completely forgot they are in the playoffs. They're playing the Grizzlies starting Sunday. They, they won the playing game yeah. right before last like, it's so, in overtime. This, again, this stuff's kind of confusing. <laughs> like One of them's for a play I mean, one damn of near everybody gets in, Clint. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Especially in a 30-team league. Now, mind you, eventually they're going to expand to 32. They're probably going to allow like 16 teams still in. But it's the fact you have one playing game where you win that, you automatically get in. But if you play in in this game, then you play in a best of three, it's like 
keep it simple, stupid. That's that's the one thing I'm not a fan of when it comes to the play-in tournament. But I'm okay, I'm okay with it because again, we're we're always gonna have to complain about more teams in, more teams in. I'm like, like that helps things. I mean, the the Pelicans when they were in the playoffs and got to round one, they immediately were getting trounced. It's a big step up in competition at that point, 100%. right? 100%. You know, I mean, I, I, look, we had a 16 beat a 1 this this year, so you can't really say say that. But typically, hey, look, you get that playing in game. In the highest you, level, yes. Yeah. In college, especially college basketball, because it's 64 teams, it's, it's very random. For sure. We're going to jump into the baseball talk real quick, though, before we hit the break. How about the Tampa Bay Devil Rays starting the season on an absolute tear? 12-0. and 0. They were losing to the Red Sox 3-1. to 1. After midway through the fifth, they sprinkle on seven runs on the bottom half of the fifth and now lead eight to three, trying to march on to that 13th win in a row. That would tie the them, season. right? <laughs> that would tie them, right? Yeah. That's ins- like it's crazy. And, you know, the Rays haven't been like bad. Obviously, they, a couple of years ago, they won a World Series and have they have a lot of great talent all around them. It's just wild to think how consistent they've been the last few years it, in an AL East that's always the- without star power. Yeah, they got a solid lineup, but there's not a lot of star power on that lineup. Yeah, heading to the six, eight, three, you're up more like. And mind you, you're playing the Red Sox, who eh. they've seen better days. <laughs> They're like the Pelicans; they've seen better days. And I mean, that kind of brings us to the Houston Astros. We're going to talk about with Rob Fontenot in the next segment. Six and seven to start this 2023 campaign, and Astros fans are starting to freak out. But guess what? 2022 campaign, you won the World Series. And you know what you started out after 13 games? Six and seven. So stick right here, and Rob Fontenot is going to tell you why it's okay for the Houston Astros. Right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietor filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a great time with you on this Thursday afternoon. And of course, we're broadcasting live from FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. We're going to head quickly over to the game hotline and bring on our guy, Rob Fontenot, host of the Astros Baseball Podcast. Rob, how goes it on this Friday Eve? I'm doing good. How are y'all guys doing? Fantastic. Got to be a little bit more excited getting that first series win yesterday over the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know a lot of people were wanting to push the panic button very early in this season, foolishly, of course, as the Astros are 6-7 and seven to start this 2023 campaign. ton of baseball still to play. A lot of things to feel good about, though, right, Rob? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look back the last three years, I think, 2021 20, and 22. We started six and seven, and you know how those years ended. For sure, and I, look, they Jose Abreu came into the lineup, and it seemed like he started out pretty hot. Got cold for a while yesterday. Got a couple nice hits. Seems like he's kind of picking it up. Do can we expect him to play high level this whole season? I know a lot of fans are worried about his defense, but as far as his offense, he's hitting two ninety one. He had that ten game hit streak in a row. I'm I'm not really too worried about him. So I know fans are expecting uh, some more home runs and RBIs out of him, but 
Just be patient. He'll get them. Speaking about being patient in home runs, Alex Bregman, our guy, finally kind of shook loose from those early season, which he is. Look, that's very typical of Alex Bregman with his time in Houston, but it, it seems like he finally got it going in the right direction. Yeah, he's struggling at 196 right now with a 672 OPS, but he has four hits in his last three games, including two home runs for six RBIs. So I think Alex Bregman is back. And when it comes to you know the, these Astros on, on offense, um, they they kind of been tinkering with the lineup uh, quite a bit early in the season, and you know everybody thinks they're better than Dusty Baker, especially on Twitter. What are your thoughts with with the Astros lineup, and how, how do you see this thing kind of finally kind of starts to settle in? Well, I know a lot of people preferred Hensley over Dubon, but I don't know what happened to Dubon, but this dude is playing out of his mind. Uh, you got. Dusty sat Chaz McCormick out the first two games, and everybody was sort of surprised after his success in the playoffs and the World Series. But Chaz is outshining Jake Myers by far. I mean, he's third in the on the Astros and OPS. And Corey Jolks, what can you say about this guy? I mean, he was on the uh, – he, he could have been taken by any team in the Rule 5 draft, but luckily he's still with the Astros and he's producing. First home run yesterday in the big leagues for the rookie. And, of course, I mean, look, Yardon Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, they're playing very well early in the season. Those two guys, you know, if they could continue this pace, might be a one-two matchup for the MVP down the stretch for the Strohs. Yeah, I mean, these guys, we're all curious, you know, what are they going to do with no shift? Tucker's hitting 311. That's not normal for him. 429 on base percentage for Kyle Tucker. Jordan usually bats around 300 anyway, but he has a 420 on base percentage. I mean, these guys are just doing amazing. They're they're leading the team in almost every category. Jordan Alvarez, of course, last year, just amazing season, especially early on. Kind of cooled off before getting hot again in the playoffs. Let's turn our attention to this pitching staff. You know, no Justin Verlander, but it doesn't seem to be a problem. We had a couple hiccups from some guys you might not be used to, but it seems like this staff's just going to be fine. We just got to be patient. Yeah, Framber's uh, doing Framber things with these quality starts. Hunter Brown, I-, I think in his first outing, he looked good, but he wasn't getting the pitches. You know, he wasn't getting the calls that he was looking for, but his last outing, the guy looked amazing. Jose Arquiti came in the last uh, game against Pittsburgh. I, I believe he pitched six scoreless innings. And then Javier is the only one that's kind of not living up to expectations for Javier. This is a guy that some experts had him either in the Cy Young race or at least leading in strikeouts or ERA. But, you know, he's at 424 right now. But one positive thing about Javier, he has the lowest whip on the Astros at 1.18. A little bit of bad luck in there, too. You know, a pitching, it, it kind of it, it happens that way. Hunter Brown, though, getting introduced into that rotation. He had a great start his last time out. I mean, look, the expectations are through the roof for, for the young man. They, you know, compare him to Justin Verlander, of course, all last year. I mean, what do you think, uh, you know, a guy like him seeing his first extended action throughout the year, you know, getting a heavy dose of innings, is he somebody that's going to be able to sustain that throughout the season? 
I mean, in the past, when you have a young kid that hasn't pitched all year, and I think it's going to help when Lance comes back if they decide to go to a six-man rotation, he's probably going to get tired at the end of the year, so maybe they'll skip some starts. But right now he's looking really good. Yeah, I can't complain. Huh? Knows how to spot the ball. Uh, he's very, very fun to to watch. Uh, what say you about this new pace of play in Major League Baseball? I mean, you you can't almost take a bathroom break. You got to be on your toes, <laughs> ready to roll, right? Yeah, the thing I was worried about most is actually like going to a game and dropping a couple hundred dollars to see the game and it just being over, like in a snap. That's kind of what I was worried about, and I know. The conversation now is the Astros extended when you can buy beer, and is that safe for the fans? Is it not? I don't know. But for me, <laughs> watching it on TV, it it doesn't seem like it is is like shorter of a game, but it just seems like the pitchers are getting the ball and just throwing it right back like the pitcher and the catcher are just playing catch. So it seems a little rushed. And, you know, baseball is a thinking game, and it's just I'm used to just things going slow at a certain pace. And I don't know. It's kind of different. What's your thoughts on do you think it affects pitchers more than the hitters or, or vice versa? I think some pitchers, they, they have to get used to it. If you look at Framber, he, he liked to walk around the mound, you know, to, to, to uh, regain his composure and uh, what, what's crazy to me is it's the pitch clock, but I've told people that it's also the batter's clock because there's – I saw one uh, event where the batter was just waiting for the pitcher to get ready. The pitcher wasn't even paying attention, and the batter got called for a strike because, you know, he wasn't in ready position. So, I don't know. I think they need to tweak some things. I know people are worried about the pitch clock and these – automatic strikeouts and the umpires taking too much control of the game when we get to the playoffs. I know, I know that's what some people are worried about. Hey, people need things to be worried about, Rob, you know, (laughs) people can't just (laughs) be happy. You you, you know that it goes. Oh yeah. Well, this weekend's a big series. The first place Texas Rangers are going to come over to the juice box. How do you think the Astros pitching rotation matches up this weekend with the Rangers? Well, I actually wrote that down last night on our podcast, so I'd have to find it out. But I think, I don't know. I don't know where I put it. But I know uh, one of the pitchers for Texas is the guy that, he's kind of been struggling, but he had nine straight strikeouts. I guess his name is Heim. That guy, uh, he had nine straight strikeouts in the last game, but. Man, maybe it's here. I don't know where it is, sir. I don't know what the pitching matchups are. Off, oh, it's, it's all right. You, you, I think the, the the key one right now is Saturday. John Gray versus Hunter Brown seems to be a, you know a, a pretty nice matchup uh, over in the juice box. John Gray, the hard thrower, comes out of Oklahoma, and and of course Hunter Brown, the rookie, is is going to get a big start on on Saturday evening. Stroh's need to kind of take this series and you know, flex their dominance over the cross-state rival. Oh, yeah. I mean, the uh, the Rangers, they're doing better this year. They have a better team this year. Uh, DeGrom, they picked up DeGrom, and if he can stay healthy, that's a good uh, – fortunately, we don't have the matchup with them, but I did get my paperwork here. <laughs> we, we do have Valdez on uh, on Monday, right? 
You got Garcia tomorrow, no. I know, and Brown on Saturday. Yeah. Okay, I don't have the right notes. I'm bad. I'm my bad. It's okay. Well, look, I, I think the the biggest surprise so far in the the young season's got to be the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Marching to thirteen and zero to start the year. Outside of that, really, what's caught your eyes? Biggest surprise to start this twenty twenty three baseball season? For me, it's just uh, it's got to be the Rays. I mean, I mean, I know you already mentioned that, but uh, man, that's just amazing that they just keep winning. I mean, it's it. I, I I can't wait to see them start playing their uh, their uh, American League East rivals. That should be exciting. Uh, I don't know who, which team's going to get the first win against them, and I don't know how that's going to affect them when they when they finally lose. But I mean, what an amazing story! Wrapping up right now with Rob Fontenot, host of the Astros Baseball Podcast. Got to get a little injury update before we go, Rob. You know, Altuve, we know he's on the shelf uh, after having the surgery from the World Baseball Classic. And, of course, Michael Brantley still a waiting game there. What can you tell us about the injured Astros and when can we expect them back? Um, Altuve is supposed to come back in June. So he's out for two months. And the thing about Brantley is this guy was supposed to be ready for spring training. Then he was supposed to be back a couple of months. It's kind of like the thing with Brantley and his injury, it seems like a mystery. And the Astros, you know, they like to keep that stuff from us. So I have no idea. But, like, the biggest question is who on this team is going to get sent back to uh, Sugar Land when he does come back? That's very true. It seems like uh... – guys that you thought would be easy candidates are having a great start to the 2023 season. Rob, I appreciate the time, my friend. We'll catch up real soon. All right. Thank you for having me on. Rob Fontenot there, the host of the Astros Baseball Podcast, joining us, breaking all things down Astros. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, my guy CD and I are going to preview the LSU Tigers Bringing in the Kentucky Wildcats, number one team in the RPI over to Alex Box over the weekend. Series starts tonight. So stick around. We'll have a preview right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blind Bomber and having a great time with you on this Friday Eve. Of course, my guy CD, the famous one, Clint Doming, behind the glass, keeping us all in line this afternoon. And we've talked a lot about Pelicans and Astros so far. We want to turn our attention, though, to the LSU Tigers on the diamond as they're going to welcome in the Kentucky Wildcats to Alex Box for a weekend series that starts tonight. Kentucky, number one in the country in the RPI right now, which is crazy, CD. You and I talked about that. They're, 
their record's a, a little light, you know, as far as playing teams of uh, much strength. <laughs> they haven't had much uh, much competition along those lines as they haven't played a single ranked team yet this season, although they do come in with a healthy 27-5 and record. Of course, they dropped two games over the weekend last weekend against Georgia, losing that SEC series before heading over to Alex Box. Of course, LSU split the series last week with South Carolina on the road. That South Carolina team comes in at number four in the RPI latest rankings right now. Probable matchups for the weekend, of course. LSU on the bump tonight is going to be Paul Skeens coming in with a 5-1 and record and a 1.14 ERA. Lost the game last week in a rare outing that was shortened up because of weather. Of course, Paul Skeens has been a strikeout master this season. And a TBD for Kentucky as uh, they hadn't said who they're going to start yeah. quite yet. What's your thoughts on that? They kind of been bouncing back with a couple guys on Friday night, though. I would imagine it's going to be Darren Williams who's going to get the start for him for them. He's been starting what two out of their last four Friday night games. The yeah. other two started by Logan Martin, who Kentucky's already announced to be their Saturday starter to go against Ty, or excuse me, Friday night starter to go against Ty Floyd. As this is a Thursday through Saturday series. Williams, the senior, holds a 3.31 ERA through 35 and a third innings. Opponent batting average is only 189. You digging the Thursday, Friday, Saturday tilts? Like this is the last three weeks we've had this, and it's it's weird every time. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little more used to them for sure. It was very common that they did that on Easter weekend for a yeah. long time, so that wouldn't that weird. What, what they need to do though is allow series to extend into Sunday when weather delays happen. But I think with this one, like last weekend, I agree with you, but they couldn't do it because of the SEC rulings. Right, like, right. It was just that particular weekend. If this was any other weekend, hell yeah, they would have they would have made it to Sunday. But it's like, at the same time, this is what was confusing the hell out of me, Blaine. I'm sure it may have confused a lot of listeners. Why was it you saw LSU not be able to play the final game of this series while UL, literally, they're two hours up the road. They were playing. Now, I believe Coastal Carolina's got a turf field, but you got to think in 2023, if you don't see any lightning, play on. Yeah, Let's was, ride. That, that's my thing. As like somebody who loves baseball, I'm like, I cannot stand seeing games not being played whenever it's like the pitter-patter of rain. Like a few weeks ago, Whenever LSU played Arkansas. So I'm going to go ahead and just backstory real quick for a minute. So I went up to Baton Rouge for the LAB Awards, right? And we were planning this out ahead of time, saying, hey, you know, I'm going to go down there. We were inducting our, one of our owners into the Hall of Fame this year. And also we had some awards we were winning. So as operations manager, they wanted me to go. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I wound up getting the opportunity to go to the LSU game against Arkansas. Originally, the game was at 7, if you don't remember that. I do. That game got moved to, like, 12. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go ahead and go to it after. I didn't get there until the 7th inning. Quicker games. 
And you know what happened? Well, I, I love that, actually. We can talk about that more later. But what I hated, though, was the fact that they moved it up. And it didn't rain that It night. didn't rain a lick. <laughs> but, okay, that was what I was about to get to. Last week, Clint, if they would have moved the Friday start up, they could have maybe got two games in. Yeah. On, or, the, excuse me, the Thursday start. They could have moved the Thursday start of the game up. They could have got both game, two games in on Thursday yeah. and one on Friday. They did, they did get some bad weather over in Columbia, though. I feel like you – like, depending on what it was like out there, again, I was not out in Co- Columbia, South Carolina. I don't say Como. That's a whole different <laughs> Columbia. But anyway, so with that, I'm like, I'm just wondering, like, why the heck did that game not get played through? And I saw somebody bring up, oh, they should play Sunday. I'm like, no, that's impossible. The logistics of that are a nightmare I don't even want to get into. And I don't even think LSU, which – I'll give credit to them because I had never been to the box. As you know, and as many people now know, I had never been to the box before until about a few weeks ago. They, they They've got their stuff from, together. But they robbed you from a primetime matchup. They robbed me of a primetime matchup and also robbed me of an entire baseball game. Because, like, I'll say this, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me on this, 337-706-0111 is normally, me personally, I'm always wanting to get there like as the game starts or within the first two innings. Because like, if you miss out on after like the third inning, it feels like you missed out on a huge chunk of the game, and you're kind of like asking the guy next to you, what the hell's going on? I, look, I'm, I'm the total opposite. I like to get there early. I like to be able to take in warm-ups, see the first pitch, you know, see, see everybody come out onto the field. That's my cup of tea, Clint. I, I, I think what you're most upset is you got robbed from seeing Alex Box at nighttime in a top five matchup. We're going to head on over to the game hotline. And just as CD called it, my guy T. T, how are you this afternoon, my man? Well, I'm doing great. And you guys? Oh, can't complain. It's almost the weekend. Well, I'm telling you, speaking of weekends, uh, just missing that little Cody guy for <laughs> your little Saturday show y'all used to have there. I hadn't thought about that name in a minute. Man, I... I uh, He's probably still upset about John Cena losing at Mania. Probably, probably so. <laughs> oh. He, uh, yeah. They, I mean, I remember there'd be three across this desk sometimes, man. It would be a good time for sure. Yeah, Sacred Heart of Bill Platt or Bill Platt. <laughs> Catholic High Point Capi. Point Capi. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Point Capi. That's right. That's right. We we okay. do love Sacred Heart of Bill Platt. Okay. We ain't, we ain't gonna leave them out of this conversation. There you go. What's there on you your go. mind, T? Then I hear Mr. Ben Loves coming on a little yeah. late. Hey, it's it's like a reunion tour over here this afternoon. Well, I'm telling you, man. But, uh, yeah, Blaine, how's that little girl, man? Oh, the, the little girl's great, man. I appreciate you asking. Healthy as can be, sleeps at night, couldn't ask for anything better. There you go, buddy. There you go. What about your granddaughter? Oh, man, he's so oh, he's great. I'm sorry, uh, grandson. Yeah, he's he's doing well? He's great. Good, good to oh, hear. Yeah. Yep. What's your take on the Tigers this weekend? already, buddy. What's your take on the Tigers this weekend? Um... If if we can get a third pitcher some kind of way, you know, I'm not worried about our two starters, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday nights, is that we we just have a lot of injuries. Yeah, the injury bug's starting That's to stack up a good bit. They did announce, though, they are going to go with Christian Little starting on Saturday against Kentucky. Comes in with that 2-1 and one record and a 4.05 ERA. He got in a little bit of a jam against Tulane the other night before he was able to pitch out of it after only giving up a run. Of course, that base runner reached when uh, third baseman uh, White made the error. 
Yeah, true that. Well, good talking to y'all guys, and uh, y'all enjoy y'all show, and uh, we'll holler later, man. I appreciate it, T. Always good to hear from our guy, T. The undercast. <laughs> it was over under by the end of the show. That thing was gonna cash. Well, that it was, thing a was lo- cashing, man. That that's definitely not a line set out in Vegas. You didn't have to buy any <laughs> any points there. That thing was coming. <laughs> that thing was coming in a hurry. Uh, I'm with you know I'm with T there. You know I, Christian Little going on Saturday this week. Uh, I, I think that's probably the most consistent arm. You know the the injuries are starting to really you know really just stack up. The Garrett Edwards stuffs you know concerning. You know hoping to get Shores back as well. LSU is going to need somebody to step up. Somebody's going to have to step up. It looks like it's going to be Gavin Gidry on the back end of the bullpen. Luckily, though, this lineup, Clint, can mash with anyone. No, this lineup can mash with anyone. I think that's the biggest thing that's helped this team out. And obviously, when you've got a guy like Dylan Cruz, who heading into the season, keyword heading into the season, that guy was kind of pegged to be a number one draft pick in this year's MLB draft. Now, mind you, I think me and Ray got in this conversation off the air, and I'm sure you and I wouldn't mind getting into it either today or tomorrow, but do you think Skeens, Cruz could be one, two? I think it's possible. I, I do. I think Cruz is locking himself in for that one-one pick. Uh, the Pirates have the one pick. I mean, they could be, you know, drafting a guy who could play center field for them for, you know, for a while and, and do it very well. He's a guy who has multiple tools, all five tools. He, he could hit for, you know, power. He could hit for average. Heck of an arm, good speed. The defense is good. He, he could kind of do it all. I mean, look, he came into last series batting some gaudy 530-something on the season, Clint. The season. No, it was insane Like what he was able to do during that hit streak. I, I have never seen – just the numbers, I was like, wait a minute. Is this real life or is this guy playing MLB the show, road to the show, on like rookie mode? I think he's had a hit in 31 or 32 ball games so far this year. It's I mean, insane. It's just – it's incredible, you know, and you never think a guy who was going to, you know, everybody was saying going to be opportunity to be drafted first overall to say like, oh, man, he's wowing me even more than I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. Every Look, even the balls that are out are hit hard. If you follow the track man stats, he's always LSU's hardest exit velo off the bat every single game. I mean, the guy just crushes balls. Opposite field power, it doesn't matter. The guy just liberates baseball and just a just a stud out in the field too patrolling center field oh no it's amazing and you know like we're talking about the one and two if in the situation you were offered the number one pick if you're the gm i believe the pirates are the first overall pick yes, in this year's pirates. draft if you're the well, pirates which would you take would you take schemes look, and, and what you've seen from him or would you take dylan cruz I, i'm taking dylan cruz all day for two reasons <laughs> i just think the talent is superior it's it's it's, in, it's crazy I, look, best baseball player, LSU, since you, you name them. I mean, that's that's a debate that's been seen online on Twitter and message boards over the last couple of weeks. It's it's crazy, the talent level. But not only that, man, it's such a crapshoot when you talk about pitchers and their arms. Oh, no. You, you know, the injury bug hits them. You know, everybody's having Tommy John at some point in their career, it feels like. Give me a guy like Dylan Cruz that I know is going to, you know, he's going he's gonna to hit. And he's a guy you could probably fast track, right? Yeah, absolutely. I like think with, he's... with Skeens, especially when you look at, I'm going to bring up a Cajun's name right now, because I don't know how much you've paid attention to what's going on in the Astros minors, but Corpus Christi Hooks pitcher Spencer Aragetti, who spent some time with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, he was a fireball at, at UL Lafayette or the University of Louisiana. Excuse me, I'm going to go ahead and kind of just take a <laughs> mea culpa there, mea culpa there. Mind you, I've gotten some hell from – 
gonna get to that story a little bit later. But I gotta say, he was a beast there. Not so good in his first outing for the Corpus Christi Hooks. And this is a guy that's considered one of the top pitchers in terms of their prospects. Yeah, it's tough, not a good look. You see the jump up in each, you know, in each direction uh, in the minor leagues. It is, it is tough. It is really tough. Yeah. I think Skeens could be somebody that could could get up pretty quickly as well. Uh, but you, you, they, man, they baby these arms so much, Clint. Yeah, it's I, I, to me, it's a no doubter. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Dylan Cruz over Skeens. Oh no, I, I mean with with Dylan Cruz, I think there's no doubt you take him. And I think when it comes to fast tracking, like we're talking about, I think you're more apropos to do that with the situation that you have right now rather than anything else. Like if you're a infielder, if you're a power hitter, you're probably getting straight to double A, right? You're not going to be dealing yeah, with I the mean, low you ain't A. You're playing much in rookie ball or low A, that's for sure. Oh hell no. You're pretty much going straight almost straight to double A. Especially if you're a number one pick. You know, I, I think he'll 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 be up within a couple years for sure. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to wrap up our number one right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Festival International de Louisiane, présenté par L.U.S. Festival International de Louisiane kicks off April 26th for five... Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back into hour number two of two. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having so much fun, old school style, right here on the game. We're broadcasting live from FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Of course, you want to see me in the beautiful, slimmed-down version of the famous CD. You could head on out to Simulcast Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. What you think about that, CD? I love it, man. I, dude, trust me, I have it on almost all day when I'm at the house. And then when I get here at work, I have it on over the air, 32.3. It stays on there. Like, even the stuff after footnotes. Because mainly, I get here right as, like, Kevin Foot Show gets started, right? And I'm telling you, that is the perfect way to start your day. Especially whenever something goes wrong with the Saints or the Astros. Because that man gets about as red as that Cajuns jersey right by you, Blaine. <laughs> Dude gets so heated about oh, everything. He's shade no matter what. They could win oh, bro. <laughs> oh, dude. Especially if it's the Astros. Like, because they, they score too many runs. Like, I guarantee you that's you know, how foot is. And, and it's amazing. And like, look, the dude, Astros I mean, haven't looked great to start the year, right? They, they kind of have been having a little struggles. But as Rob Fontenot told us in, in the first, uh, first hour, Hey, that's kind of normal, right? That's kind of what they normally do. Last year, they won the freaking World Series, and they have the identical record through the first 13 games as they did a year ago. So pump the brakes on the freakout, but in Foot's world, everything's a freakout. Oh, exactly. And here's the thing. I'm kind of in the camp of the people who are like, 
I understand the freak out because you don't have Jose Altuve till June. The Brantley situation, and, I, and honestly, the pitching staff, I think they're good, but when they're playing the really good teams, they aren't necessarily You think they the just best. elect that like elite arm? Are you not ready to call Framber like that elite ace yet? Framber's got the elite potential. Hunter Brown, Sunday, he, he looked pretty damn good. I'm like, okay, I'm impressed by that cat. Like, he could be... That arm, but it's like you've got a lot of good seven to, strong. You got two hits. You've got great arms. I don't think there's a true elite arm in the bunch like you had last year. Now here's the thing: you've also got a better bullpen than you have had in the past. Well, few Abreu's years. been great, but Presley's oh, yeah. been a disaster. <laughs> let's let's well, be pr- real. Well, that's what Presley was for the bulk of the year. That's not. That's not Mint's words here, but well, I mean, look, Presley had what second in the league last year in saves. I mean, he did have his struggles throughout the year, but not like we're seeing now. It seems like the velo on the, on the fastball is down a few few notches. It, it seems like he's missing his spots consistently. It, I'm, I'm I'm not thinking they're going to make the move yet, or if they will at all this year. But you got to think Abreu's looking mighty nice as <laughs> sitting in that bullpen as yeah. the setup guy right now. Abreu's been doing a damn good job lately. I think that's kind of the biggest positive this team has in the bullpen, just in terms of your closers. Now, in terms of, I just think their bullpen, compared to past years, because I think that was the biggest thing that held them back from getting to be a dynasty in the World Series, from what I've seen from them. They were always a good starting pitching staff, but once you got past them, it was very much feast or famine. Now, Ryan Presley, hopefully he can get his act together once you get closer to the All-Star break. But we, as we know, Blaine, the world of baseball, it's not a sprint. It's a damn marathon. And you're only two weeks into the season, two, three weeks into the season. I am not pushing the panic button. And I'm a person who loves pushing the panic button like I'm on a game of Jeopardy. I am not pushing the panic button on this Astros team just yet. Absolutely not. I think they'll be just fine. The lineup's going to... You know, they, they they take a little while to jail. They got to see how you want to fit these pieces, how you want to bat them one through nine. I, I, I'm with you. I like the bullpen. You know, there's a couple pieces in there I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a Seth Martinez guy. Uh, you know, I, I just think he he's not great. Montero's another guy that freaks me out a little bit. But outside of that, I, I'm, I think Presley will be fine. I think he'll get the, the velo back up on the fastball. He'll, he'll figure it out. He always does. But outside of that, those guys are they look great coming out the bullpen. And like you mentioned, some of these guys in the rotation are kind yeah. of taking their um taking their their time to get going. What one thing though, Clint, the Astros, and we'll move on from it, that got me a little concerned is what you think about Jeremy Pena? Are you thinking a sophomore slump, or are you thinking he's going to kind of break loose? What's your thoughts there? I mean, he was leading off for a while. Dusty moved them down in the lineup, seems to be more comfortable in that position. No, I think that's the right way to go about it, is to kind of move forward and figure out where he kind of fits in that lineup. And maybe the the top of the lineup, it's not always for everybody. No, Not everybody can be George Springer out there in the leadoff spot hitting Springer dingers to start off a ball game. It's, it's tough to find that kind of cat. I think maybe Jeremy Pena, again, he's a second-year guy. I think, and I hope, he is a guy that's going to get it together in, in year two and kind of progress as the season goes along. Yeah, through 13. We can't expect anybody through 13 games to be like he did to start the season last year. Right. Because that dude was a, uh, in fuego. Yeah, you know, he, he spent I'm some time. I'm still mad, on, by the way. Spent some time on the on the bench a little bit last year, battling some injuries a couple times, hit, hit the, the injured list a few times as well. I mean, look. 
214 to start the year, over 56 plate appearances. I, it's it's going to take a little time to, to kind of get going. I like him down a little bit further down the lineup. I, I like what Dusty did there. Um, I mean, look, if Mauricio Dubon keeps hitting anywhere close to that 361 average across his first 36 plate appearances, he's somebody that could contend in that leadoff spot as well. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But a little update to what you talked about earlier, Blaine, about the Tampa Bay Rays. They won that game. They are now 13-0. This ties the best start in the MLB's history going back to 1885. The best start in almost over well over 100 years. That's crazy to think about. And, and they're in rarefied air. You kind of mentioned it too. Like they, They're doing this without having a lot of star power. Yeah, they've got they got guys like Randy Rosarina who I think could be one of those like future stars of the league. You've got Wander Franco is a guy that's going to be kind of moving up before too long. There's some there's some names out there that are absolutely eyes to watch, but they're not necessarily the mega stars. They're they're guys a few years into their career. Very budget friendly guys, right? Moneyball style. You you love to see it. Meanwhile, I just saw this pop up on my feed a few minutes ago. And I think this is going to be a big story over the next several weeks. Is that Dan Snyder is wanting to sell the team, the Washington Commanders, and it looks like, according to Ian Rapport, this is about like six minutes ago, that apparently he and the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils have agreed on an agreement to sell it to Harris's group for $6 billion. It's not signed, it's not exclusive yet, but Harris appears to have won the bidding. And if the everything goes well, that sale is going to be final. And finally, the curse of Dan Snyder is finally over. I don't know RP three. I mean, he's probably like like I'm the nuns in Sister Act two. Oh, happy! Oh, he's dancing back there. Oh, yeah, he's dancing back there as they finally get to get rid of just all that negativity of Dan Snyder. It's going to be interesting to see if they could turn the corner as a franchise and become a contender. Just get a just get a more a consistent quarterback. I think that's the first step towards getting things back to normal. That's the answer for what. How many teams in the league, right? <laughs> but I think that's been their biggest problem for a while now. Like every time they have something going, you like the that. quarterback just fall. Well, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, like the the laundry list of quarterbacks they've had, like it almost rivals what the Cleveland Browns have gone through since the reboot in '99. He's probably the best one they've had in that time frame. You think? Oh, I'd I'd agree with that. Because I mean, since like I'd say since let's just shoot 2010. In the last like 13 years, I think I would agree with that statement. Because Robert Griffin III could have been, but obviously that he got injured his, after, during his rookie year, and that derailed him big way. Quickly. That, that, that unfolded quick, quick, quick. You know, it was, seemed like it was over before it started. Of course, yeah. if you guys want to jump in and get in on the action, you could always call us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Hey, we're an open book right now. We could talk anything you'd like. From Strohs to Tigers to Cajuns. Raging Cages making their debut in the top 25 this week. Dropped their first game sometime a night last night, right, Clint? Yeah, last night over in Hammond, America, man. It was a tough break for the Cages, but again, you know, you lose these kind of games. It happens. It's baseball, right? It's baseball. It happens. But, and here's the thing. Also, you're not going to – more likely than not, again, I could be proven wrong by this. I haven't talked to the folks at D1 Baseball. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's, again, a one-bid league in the Sun Belt Conference. you got some good teams, but I'm not necessarily sold 
on there being more than one team coming out of the Sun Belt Conference. Win your games in your conference and win the tournament, you're going to the to the NCAA College World Series. That's it. That's all you got to focus on. You can lose these midweek games. It doesn't it matters in a sense, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I like LSU games. Remember like years ago when we complained about LSU losing midweek games? Now that 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 narrative shut up for a while. Well, the Cages will have an opportunity to increase that RPI. Right now they come in with a record of 24 and 10, number That's pretty nice. 69 in the in the RPI currently. And they're going to nice. host Troy over the weekend at the Teague. Troy, the 46 right now in the RPI, coming in at 23 and 11. And of course, on the 18th, this coming Tuesday, they will travel over to Alex Box and take on LSU. So the Raging Cajuns outperforming what many people thought. But to your point, though, Clint, about the, the Sun Belt, you still got a couple teams that are performing pretty well in, in the Sun Belt right now. Coastal Carolina right now coming in at 17 in the RPI. We're going to head on over to the game hotline, and I know who this guy is. Bring on the FedEx man. How are you doing today? FedEx, man. What's going on, Mr. Blaine? Been a long time, buddy. I haven't talked to you in a while. Everything's going well? Your Dodgers are all right? Yeah, yeah. I, know. Uh, they call, I call them the L.A. cheapskates now. They don't want to pay nobody <laughs> no money no more. <laughs> that thing fell apart pretty quick over there, huh? <laughs> uh, they, I think they said they're saving their money for Otani. Okay, whatever. Hey, y'all were talking about the uh, Sun Belt being a one-beat lead. They had four teams make it last year. And now with the addition of with uh, James Madison and Old, uh, Old Dominion and Southern Miss, they probably they probably at least gonna have four again this year. There ain't no one big lead. Right now, the the Sun Belt has it looks like six teams in the top fifty in the country. So I I think it does support what you're saying. And of course, UL right now is you know twenty four and ten. They're they're looking pretty strong. Seven out of their last ten and nine and three in the league. But, look, Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, App State, you just mentioned James Madison, all those guys playing strong baseball. I, I think you, you're right. Could be three, four big conference. Yeah, don't forget Georgia Southern. They even hosted last year. You know, and, and another thing you got to look at, too, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Sun Belt, out of all, they rank like number five RPI in the country. So only the ACC, Big 12, ACC, and Pac-10 or, or have better RPIs. They're better than the Big Ten, the ACC, Conference USA, the Big West, all of those. So it is a conference that uh, does get a lot of teams in during uh, uh, almost every year. How, how do you but feel the Cajuns stack up uh, down the stretch against in the conference? Well, I mean, uh, they ended the, the last three series are going to have to play uh, Coastal, uh, Texas State, and Southern Miss. I mean, that's where the rebels going to hit the road right there. You know, they got the best record in the uh, Sun Belt right now. But they really have been playing the underbelly. They're fixing that. And Troy this weekend is another one of the good teams. They're going to start to play the better team. So they're going to have to really step it up to, uh, to get that done. Blaine, good more. talking to you, buddy. You too, man. Great to hear from you. Talk real soon. The FedEx man. You know, when I used to work over at the warehouse at my old job, he'd, he'd come and deliver to me. And, boy, he was so fired up when the Dodgers spent all that money CD. And they thought they were going to be good forever. As he mentioned, they they got cheap. <laughs> well, sometimes you kind of you kind of had to do that, right? Because obviously, when you spend all that money, it don't work out. Sometimes, 
Going George Costanza opposite style, I think that's might be the direction they need to go. You know me, huge George Costanza fan. I, I could relate with you there. I, I also think uh, the Dodgers aren't quite as bad as you know he, he's maybe making out to believe. I, I think they are a step behind of where they've been over the last few years, but still a quality baseball team. I play in a tough, tough division, though. I mean, the Padres, we know they're going to be a contender all season long. And then you can't forget about the Giants, who kind of surprised everybody in the NL West. They're always there. <laughs> They're always there, but they, they, you just never know which Giants team you're going to get. Are you going to get the Giants where it's at, where it was every other year they'd make the World Series and win it all, or are you going to get the Giants team from like the early 2010s that just couldn't do much of anything? You, you just know, though, yeah. down the stretch, the Giants are going to be involved. Yeah. No matter how far back they get, and they're going to work wild. themselves out. It just is how it works. It's baseball. It's just what it does. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this talk. I like talking this college baseball right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back in to the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietor filling in for the Blonde Bomber. And of course, we got my guy, CD, the famous one sitting behind the glass, kind of keeping us all in check. Easier said than done, guys. <laughs> That's a full-time job, for I mean, sure. It's a full-time job keeping me under control, so you can about imagine how much how difficult it is to keep this cat under control. We'll bring in Ben Love in the next segment, and Ben and I got a little something cooking for you. We're going to talk about the most disappointed we've been in sports, kind of piggyback off of the not only the Pelicans lost last night, but the season as a whole. What would you say – uh you, you start thinking about some of the things that disappointed you the most in sports, CD. All right, so we're just going to – let's just go ahead and say this right out of the gate. We're kicking out the NOLA no-call, right? Because I think that's everybody's immediate answer, right? So you were you more upset during the NOLA no-call than you were in the, you know, the, the Stefan Diggs touchdown? Yeah, because here's the thing. That just – that's the kind of stuff happens all the time. Like if you have like that kind of defensive screw up. But whenever it's a so one of them was disappointed, sad. One of them was disappointed, mad. Right? I exactly. Mean, but I think there's also just so much more. There was more on the line in that game in that play. Literally, like Minnesota Vikings game. That was that was what wild card divisional. Yeah. This was a chance to get to the freaking Super Bowl, and that team was. Seemed like it was destined from the second the season started. The way they started off the season, extremely hot. Outside of a couple like bad games, which they, which they, we all have, you have an NFC title game, and mind you, you limped into it because you barely played worth a damn against the Eagles, who you blew out the water the first go round. But that kind of happens. I was more disappointed because the fact that that happens, and it wasn't anything that you did. If you lose a game because you you. Miss a tackle and a Hail Mary pass the end of the game, fine. I get that. You lose the game in overtime because you didn't get the ball first, fine. I get that. But I can't get over whenever 
it's out of your hands completely. That's that's just my thing on it. I've been more disappointed at that than any other Saints moment in sports in my entire life. I, look, I'm not taking away from from you, but like that was more not a disappointment. That was more of an anger thing for me. Like immediate, just like really, really upset from a like a mad standpoint. I mean, but at the same time, that's you're you're also upset about it because you're yeah. you're. Like trust me, I think I, I trust me that moment whenever you had Stephon Diggs score that touchdown sucked. Trust me, I think everybody else listening in can agree, it sucked. But that sucked the life out of you, seeing the way that game ended, because it was out of your control. That's kind of my thing. I you lose a game, the way the way it happened is what it is. But when you lose a game because of a BS call. Then it's like I'm kind of disappointed and pissed. Outside of the Saints, where's another one that comes really top of mind to you? I'm trying to think. There, there's probably a few I could throw out there. In terms of disappointed, and I'm trying to think, like, because I I get disappointed a lot when my team loses, but it's more often when my team loses. In a game that matters, especially as I've gotten older, I've realized that. Like whenever you're a little kid, you get disappointed a lot at, at just games in general. I'll go with Astros when they played the Cardinals in the NLCS. Right. You, you know what I'm talking about when yep. that 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 moment is Pujols absolutely just absolutely yep. destroyed. Just I think that ball's still in the air to this day. <laughs> to this day, for me, when it comes to the Astros, I think the most upset I've been or disappointed was the Howie Kendrick home run, 2019, off the foul pole. Whew. That one was tough, you know, in the seventh inning in a game that you, you know, it was, look, that was game seven. <laughs> what bigger stage do you want? You know, that, yeah. was, that, that one still stings for me in terms of Astros. What about Cajuns? Do you have one for the Cajuns? Well, I mean, technically, I would say, hmm. Because I guess it's also the fact that I'm so attached to him from the media perspective because. Admittedly, I haven't covered a Cajuns game in almost two years, so it's like I should start to be able to pull away from it can't from that perspective. I, I If I were to go technical, I'd say the fact we didn't play Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt oh, title that's game. That's a good one. But, I mean, but that's not a game. That's not a, It's a sports moment that you just well, missed I out mean, on. Just a sports moment. Most, I, I think – What about LSU for you? Oh, easy. It's the Arkansas game in 2007. When Ooh, uh, you got, shout. you know, they ran all over us. You had a three-headed monster of Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis come over to Tiger Stadium the day after Thanksgiving. Still made it to overtime, triple so, overtime, and Matt Flynn threw the interception. I remember leaving that game and thinking that the whole season was over. So you're not including like some of those post 2011 LSU Bama games in that list? Because I think I think some of those you the, can absolutely feel like yeah. disheartened and disappointed by. I, Obviously, the national title game. Screen pass. Yep. That, that one comes to mind. That one comes to mind. Pretty. I mean, the Leonard Fournette, whenever LSU was playing, and Leonard Fournette had that Heisman run it felt like he was building up towards, and then he kind of – Oh, they just Then he wraps yeah, the bed, yeah. and then you see Alabama's run game just absolutely tear you up. That's kind of whenever that rivalry became a lot more one-sided. Yeah, some of those maybe – I mean, like 2012 to 2014 is what I'm kind of thinking. I mean, it's, it was a long stretch, man. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying, like, 
Because I think once you get like 2015 or yeah, so. Yeah, we had a couple that we knew that we probably didn't belong. But right? 2012, 2014, those games were competitive and a little bit of a heartbreaker. That's why the, the, the screen pass to Yeldon after we had took the lead and they went down and scored was, was a gut-wrenching one for me. Anything baseball-wise or were we just sticking football for LSU? Baseball-wise for LSU, I, it, just that whole – I guess the expectations um, was, was it 2014 when Alex Bregman – Aaron Nola-led team went up to Omaha. You felt like that team was going to just win the national championship, and they went one and two. And, you know, I I remember the ball booted by Alex Bregman. Mm -hmm. Nola didn't fare well. That was like one one of the few times he actually was, like, off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, the dude was absolutely on one in 2014. And sometimes, you know, those disappointments come because the expectations are too high. Oh, Exactly. You know, it's not only the stage, but you have these lofty expectations that either you go into the season with, because you have some seasons, too, that, you know, from an LSU standpoint for football, where they went into the season with really, really high expectations to where they just don't make it. Those kind of situations kind of bite a little bit. Oh, no, but if we're talking baseball, I'll throw in the game I went to against LSU Arkansas. Oh, man. They scored all those runs in the 10th? They scored all those. Like, literally, I get there. They were changing the pitchers. As soon as I got out my truck, got out of the truck, I'm hearing Colin Baton Rouge. And I'm like, okay, pitching change. Okay, let's see if things go. The momentum's shifting a little bit. Then you see the home run go off. I'm like, all right, let's go. Things are turning around. Can't blame me for this loss. <laughs> and then the 10th inning happens, and I'm like, what just happened? What the hell? Let's keep Clint as far away from Alex Box as we can. <laughs> oh, come on now. Like I, I just sat there for like a good minute. I'm like, did did this literally just happen? Like, what the hell? I'm still blown away by that. And then like a couple weeks, then actually, I'm gonna get to the story right now before we take a quick timeout. Is that a few weeks later, I wound up helping out Miguez because he was doing his live remote from Russo Park. So I wound up helping him out, set up and everything. And it was the same day LSU's playing in the women's final four. So over here, we're all wearing our purple and gold, right? So I walk in to Russo Park as a lifelong Cajuns fan. I'm surprised it didn't burn off me, to be honest with you. The purple and gold. You didn't nobody bought you a shirt or anything? No. So, (laughs) wait. So hold on. So that that afternoon, I already had planned to go get a haircut that afternoon after I got off work. So I helped him out, made sure everything was good to go. Went to go get him a haircut. Went to Walmart, bought myself a Cajuns t-shirt. Probably a little bit cheaper than going to the... Fan store we inside know you're the tight, Clint. Shut up, Lane. <laughs> so, anyways, so I go buy my shirt, put it on, change it. Cages wound up losing that game, and I got hell from the Section A tailgate crew over that after the game. Mind you, they, they definitely had a few in them, but they definitely heckled me for wearing the purple and gold to begin with. I'm like, hey, at least I changed my damn shirt, guys. <laughs> I knew what the uh, proper attire was for the game itself. Moral of the story. Keep CD away from your favorite teams as much as possible. Yep, that's that's the idea. <laughs> well, we don't want to disappoint anybody else, so we're going to hit a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to bring on our guy, Ben Love, where we're going to talk about the most disappointment he's ever had in sports. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, 
the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber. And Clint, I can guarantee you, I don't have the best takes, nor do I have a nickname. But I do have one of the best guests, so we are going to head on over to the game hotline and bring on my guy, Ben Love, former host of Bumper to Bumper Sports, to join us right here on the Jordy Holberg Show. Ben, how does it on this Thursday afternoon? Oh, man, it, it does great. Blaine, Clint, great to hear both your voices. How y'all doing? Hey, it's like old school times over here at the game today, man. It feels like it's a throwback to what, circa five years ago, five, six years ago? I don't know. Five years ago, you didn't have a kid and neither did I. So this feels a little different. <laughs> feels very different. Uh, Thursday, five years ago, we were probably both at the tap room and um, you know we were doing things we shouldn't do on a work night. Now I'm just depressed, man. Let's <laughs> I mean, that was like three oh, years ago. Let's be honest. Please, please, please get me to sports. I can't think about that right now. Not while trying to peddle insurance and, and fit in conversations with you. No, no, no. Oh man, for sure. Well, hey, look, we'll stay on the depressing talk. We're going to talk about the most disappointed you've been in sports. You know, we want to piggyback not only over the the Pelicans' loss in the playing game last night, but just the most disappointing season they had after they led the the NBA after a month of the season. It just kind of went. R.I. and disaster. So we want to talk about just the most disappointed you've been in sports. It could be a game. It could be a situation, a moment, a season. What What are some of the most disappointing times you had in sports, Ben? Look, this Zion thing reeks to high heaven. I mean, it's you're not over-dramatizing it by basing a disappointing segment off of it. I don't want to dwell too long, but I will say this. This is what you get when you draft fat. How does that ever go well in basketball? In baseball, Bartolo Colon can be the man. John Cruck can say, we're not athletes, man. We're baseball players. And it can work in baseball. Football, half the freaking team's supposed to be fat. When you draft fat in basketball, the results should be expected. It never goes well. The late Robert Tractor trailer, you've got I mean, Greg Oden wasn't fat, just his feet didn't match his body. Healthy. It has to make sense. You get what you deserve in this case. So, you know, this is extremely disappointing. I'll give you a couple that I covered, right? So this is fairly recent past. Maybe the most disappointing. I want to say it was the 2015-16 LSU basketball season. You got three true freshmen that come in. Ben Simmons, Antonio Blakeney, and Brandon Sampson. And they absolutely waste the senior season of my good friend Keith Hornsby. This team fizzles out to Texas A&M. They quit in the first round of the SEC tournament. I mean, absolutely quit. And then just say no to the NIT. And basically, old Yeller-style mercy kill their season. So a team that everybody thought had a chance for Elite Eight Final Four doesn't go to the postseason. I'm going to give you that one. And I'll tell you just generically, the Drew Brees tenure in New Orleans was not a disappointment. I think it's fine to say that the last four to five years were because they clearly went for broke. And the ramifications, the trickle-down effect, the ripple effect, whatever you want to call it, we're still feeling it. We're still watching it. They're still dumpster diving for quarterbacks. They leveraged the team to pay for him, and now they're also over-leveraged into a guy that he made a star in Michael Thomas. 
they're over leveraged into a guy that's throwing people around in elevators in AK forty one. Uh, you know, it's just nothing seems to be going right post Drew Brees because of the way they tried so hard to finish on a high note with Drew Brees, and because they didn't do it, I think it's fine to say that's a disappointment. So. I'll give you those with a little local flair. Well, you know, like you, you go into that situation, and the, the, look, windows are not very, are, you know, they, they don't crack open very much, right? It's very short-lived, these windows that you, these teams live in. But most of the time, it's all centered around quarterbacks, right? Like you mentioned with Drew Brees. And a lot of the quarterbacks that have success over a longer tenured time, it's because they take the, you know, the, the smaller contract. They, they go out and get guys to buy in and bring in guys over some of that money that they let sprinkle around. Do you kind of blame Drew for some of that? No, because, you know, you got to look out for yourself as well. Do I blame Bobby Bonilla for the fact that we remember him every June 1st? You know what I mean? Like, the guy had to do what was best for him, right? He took some kind of annuity deal where they're giving him a milli every June until he's going to be dead. So, no, I can't blame guys. It was always couched as taking a little bit of the hometown deal, right? But it was also kicking the can down the road financially. So I, do I blame Drew? Do I blame his agent? No. I mean, sports is a business. You know, Tom Brady may have taken a little bit less. Still kind of worked out for him. So, I, you know, I don't blame Drew. At the same time, it's okay to say that they didn't maximize their potential, right? No, I, I agree. And, look, those are two great – Examples, especially when you're not talking about like a one-game scenario. I mean, look, your your Georgia Bulldogs have been living on top of the world the last couple of years, but when you were in school, I mean, was hey, there? Hey, one... hey, we, we, we know disappointment there too, though, right? Uh, you know, kids that weren't born two years ago, no disappointment <laughs> if they were Georgia fans. Well, that, is there a loss from your tenure in Athens that you can go back to and like you just said, you know, you knew you were going to win this game or you knew you were going to have a great season and it just didn't work out? Is that a particular moment or game that, that sticks out to you? Man, my last year was the worst that we were, and that was the freshman year for uh, for Matt Stafford. But the three years prior, I mean, LSU and Georgia played in 03 and 05 in Atlanta. I mean, those were the two best teams in the league. And 05 was the year that Georgia beat LSU in the SEC title game. And it could have been a national title-type year if not for a loss to Auburn. And if I remember that game correctly, look, man, you'll forgive me if it's a little hazy. Okay, I was 20 years old. But I, <laughs> I think that was the year that we took a little trip down to the Plains and Cadillac Williams threw a halfback pass touchdown on us, and we got beat by about 14 or so at Auburn. So, I mean, there's, there's any number of games, I could tell you. As a Georgia fan, typically it comes down to losing traditionally of late to Auburn for a period of time when Steve Spurrier's around. A couple South Carolina losses haunt you. Uh, Tennessee in the 90s, right? So, And then that Florida game, man, no doubt. Um, you know, it wasn't until 2007 – where Georgia sent the whole team on the field after a first-quarter touchdown to literally dance and get a, a team penalty for dancing at the goal line when no Sean Moreno goes over the top. Until that game, Georgia lost to Florida, like I want to say it was five out of six years at the cocktail party, right? So any number of disappointing games for Georgia. Uh, haven't been a lot recently, though. Wrapping up right now with Ben Love on the game hotline. And I know you know disappointment. I play fantasy baseball with you, and you live for disappointment in fantasy baseball. Who are some of your your hot takes for early in this baseball season that you think folks need to kind of jump on? Uh, Well, they're probably not on my team. You're going to have to (laughs) – 
have to bear with me while I scour. No, look, I, I, there's a couple of guys. I, I did draft one. I think he's pitching later tonight. Nick Lodolo uh, for the Reds. And the Reds are god-awful. But they, they got a couple of good young arms. They're just so bad at the plate. So, you know, look, that's a guy that I, I was excited about drafting. And he started off pretty hot. And, look, there's any number of guys that you can look at. You and I talked about Randy Arazarena. Right, uh, a guy who wasn't born in Mexico but played for the Mexican national team in the WBC was one of the best players in the tournament, and right now he's on an undefeated team with the Rays. So he's not under the radar, but gosh, he's been good so far. Only the and best start so since eighteen ninety five, right? <laughs> What's that? I said only the best start in you know what eighteen ninety five or eighteen eighty five. So pretty pretty yeah. fantastic. And look, hey, hey, I, I did think of one other disappointing team, and this one's starting to fade from memory. So I'm gonna bring them up just quickly. I'll ask you this question first: Who was the last NBA team to win three straight championships? Uh, Bulls, Not... Lakers. 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 Okay. Kobe and Shaq. You remember oh. how the fourth year went? Yep. You're right about that. Bro, if you add Gary Payton and Carl Malone to your team and you can't get over the hump against a glue team, all right, it wasn't a superstar team. It was a glue team that Larry Brown had in Detroit. That's a disappointing season. I forget about that series, man. That was a fun series with Ben Wallace and Tayshaun Prince. They locked them up. Then they win that series in five games. Yeah, I want to say L.A. won the first game and then went kaput. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was a five-game series. And look, no fear, no disappointment for you yet this week, Ben. It's only Thursday. Your fantasy baseball team doesn't fall apart until the weekend. So enjoy the rest of your week, and then uh, Sunday you'll have a little more disappointment. I try to sneak to the tap room. Don't tell my wife. (laughs) There you have it. Ben Love joining us right there. We appreciate him, as always, talking about the disappointment for sure. CD, you got one? Two things. Number one, didn't we just talk about the um, uh, Lakers post-3-peat, like that year after the 3-peat at the beginning of the show? I I believe we did. Yeah. And I still still fumbled it, right? Number two, (laughs) can I do something before we take a quick timeout, Blaine? Yeah, let's do that. He said it, and I got to play it. It's it's been itching in me because I haven't played this in a while. We got to play. All right, there we go. I'm done. All right, I I can go home now. We're not going to quite go home, but we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the last segment on this Thursday afternoon right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Go subscribe to The Game's YouTube channel, at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back in for the last time on this Friday Eve. I'm Blaine Viatar filling in for the Jardy Hoberg, the blonde bomber himself, who's on a much-needed vacation. So CD and I are going to take you home this weekend on the Thursday-Friday editions and Hey, look, our Thursday's almost done, CD. In a blink of an eye, when you're having a good time, it's over before you know it, right? Well, yours is almost done, Blaine. I've got another two hours left in the tank because i got to take over as the producer for Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh starting up in about ten minutes. Miguez and CD today, right? You're right. The first time we've ever done a show together. So I was this about should be, to ask. This should be interesting, to say the least, because we definitely... We definitely get into some barbs every now and again in our off-air conversations. Do you let him have it with his horrible takes? Every now and again, but then again, I throw my own horrible takes. But again, it doesn't help matters that I'm kind of like, 
I've like admittedly since I've started like stopped doing sports right on a regular basis, I'm not consuming it on a daily basis like I was quite as much. Dude, it's it's gone down like a ton. Now, mind you, again, it's also the fact that you know is wrestling it the time of year too is well that and wrestling kind of just takes over the bulk of the week of TV because it's like if there's one there's a show every night now. Is it? But is it the time of year? If it was football season, it might be a little different for you, or you're not quite into baseball mode yet. No, I'm I'm been in baseball mode, but I'm saying like compared to what I had been, you know, like I was watching every single game, like every night I'd have on the NBA on TNT, the NBA on the Four Letter Network, you know, MLB baseball, something would be on sports related. Now it's just like, okay, I'll go do something else. I'll if it's a game that I'm wanting to see, like. Like the Pelicans last night. That was probably the first full Pelicans game I watched all year. All year. Now, mind you, it doesn't help matters that I have LUS Fiber, which you can catch this fine program and all other our other local shows but you can't. on simulcast. But I don't get valley, right? and I refuse to pay the amount of money you have to to get the Bally Plus streaming thing because that thing's going to go under. I there's too many streaming services, and I don't feel like dealing with Bally's BS. Well, they don't get blacked out on there, being that you live this close? They probably do, but again, there's other ways to get around this. If you want to watch something, you can find it. Yes, and I can find it for a much cheaper alternative. Just well, saying. just saying how tight you were earlier. you just proven well, the point hey, over and hold over on, again. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, it's about, like I think, 20 bucks a month for the Bally stuff. Are you really paying? Are you If you really wanted to pay $20 for that, it's it's like when you see the UFC pay per views, right? Where UFC you pay for ESPN Plus, and then you got to pay for the pay per view. Are you paying for that pay per view? Not at the rate that they have them. How many? I mean, how many do they once have? a month? You know, once twice a month. It seems like but every I, weekend they I'm, have one. I'm just saying though, if would you pay that? Like you're paying for the plus already. You should get that bundled in. But no, you want to pay uh, for an extra sixty dollars a month. You get this one pay per view, and that's it. Like you got to pay an extra surcharge. I, no, thank you. So the WWE Network has just transformed well, you to where you think everything should be included. Well, it should be. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. If it's something like that, if you already are paying for a premium service, then yes. Now, mind you, WWE with Peacock and the purchase by Endeavor, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same way. And I'll just say this. A lot more people are going to be sailing the seven seas, if you catch my meaning. <laughs> I know I, I would be. I tried to tell you guys how tight he was earlier in the show. Y'all didn't listen. It's frugal. Fru- Get it right. Okay, all right. You, Get it right. You're becoming an angry old man, CD. Well, no. So the other day, like, we'll, we'll get to this real quick, and then we'll wrap up. So I, we talked about it earlier, how I've lost a lot of weight since the last time. I've probably been on this television screen of yours. It's been a while. So... I've been trying to do better in terms of eating and getting some better food in me. So the other day I wanted to go into a local place and they had protein bars. A 12 pack for $24. Turns out they were doing a clearance. That was 50% off. Then they gave me $5 off on top of that. So the one 12 pack was eight bucks. So I'm like, screw that. Give me another one. (laughs) $21 for two 12 packs. Like it was $54. Are you kidding me? You got to take that deal whenever you can get it. You got to take the wins when you can. My man says he wants to save all the money at any opportunity. Wouldn't you? Especially in, in this economy? Are you kidding yeah, me? I agree. Save the money, bro. More save money to play money. with on FanDuel, right? Well, 
I, yeah, definitely FanDuel. <laughs> I haven't honestly. That's the same thing. Like since the Super Bowl, I have not bet hardly at all. It's really? Been a, it's been a minute. That's been your jam, though. All it's football been my season, jam. you were like involved no, uh, year round. But it's like again, I'm not paying as much attention to the sports okay. as I used That's to. Fair if I was, because then I'd be more informed about what's going on in the world of sports. You need to listen to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh a little more. And we got that show coming up next right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Blaine, you got anything else? That's it. See you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow, Blaine. What You got anything planned for tomorrow, brother? Yeah, we'll have a good time tomorrow, I promise. You already know, brother. You already know. We'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Crunch Time, Miguez and Mesh, next.